Welcome to the No Shame on You podcast, where we talk to mental health professionals, educators, and advocates. No Shame on You is a 501c3 organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. Our goal is for people who need help to seek it, for family members and friends to know how to provide proper support and to save lives. Welcome to No Shame on You's podcast number 38. I'm Wendy Singer, Director of Programming for No Shame on You. And today we're talking with a wonderful human being, Mara Zimmerman. Mara is No Shame on You's longtime yoga instructor for our weekly yoga class, 4 p.m. every Tuesday, Central Time, with a focus on mindfulness and well being. But beyond teaching yoga, Mara does a lot of wonderful work in the community. She's a certified meditation and yoga teacher and health mentor. She has a degree in rehabilitation counseling and psychology. She offers mind-body-centered therapy, holistic counseling, and health and spiritual guidance with mindfulness as a foundation. She has continued her studies in Eastern philosophy, homeopathy, and the healing arts. With a focus on self-care and well-being, Mara teaches to all ages, stages, and abilities. She has learned that each person is unique and should be true to their own needs. Mara, we are so lucky to have you every week teaching yoga with a focus on well-being, and it was time to have you on the No Shame on You podcast, where we host mental health advocates and professionals who really make a difference in the world. And I wanted the world to know you. Welcome. Thank you so much, Wendy. What an honor it is to be here and what a pleasure it is to know you and how it's been to work with you over these years has been such a pleasure. Um, So thank you for including me and for having me. Awesome. Well, tell us, Tell our listeners, some of your listeners uh, listeners might know you because they come to yoga, yoga with us and others may not. Tell us more about you and what you do professionally. Okay, sure. Well, um, I, I live here in Chicago, uh, but fortunately, um, nowadays there are remote op- opportunities to Zoom so we can always connect wherever we are in the world, which is exciting nowadays. But I I do live here in Chicago and um, I do have a personal practice where I work with people one-on-one. I run workshops and groups as well. Um, The focus um, being on mental health and well-being, I think it always is going to come back to that, interestingly enough, no matter what people show up for. for. Um, And one of the big things that I do when you mention holistic counseling and the type of, um, you know, work I do that really, um, when they say the word holistic, it embodies not just when we say the mind, we're talking about the brain and the body. And so that's also going to include uh, the thoughts and the feelings you're having that come along with that. And any type of spiritual growth or um, lack of spirituality in your life that you might need. So when we're working holistically, we consider all of that and using different tools that may be about processing through words, but then further steps that may be processing through forms of yoga through the yoga poses or breathing techniques um, or steps toward learning to meditate. Have you always done this kind of work or did you gradually get to this space professionally? So um, interestingly enough, I 
I grew up with like a personal meditation practice and I'm not sure I was acutely aware of it until I got older and started to study mental health. And um, when I was learning more, I started to see that, you know, mental health looked like something the world didn't everybody seemed to be struggling with their mental health, the way we might talk about our physical ailments or other ailments we're having, but it wasn't as accepted as widely. And maybe there weren't as many outlets for people to manage it. And I always felt maybe that working with our mental health and finding ways to de-stress was very natural, was very organic, um, was kind of a part of daily life. Um, so when I ended up, you know, working towards this as a profession, um, I think I gravitated towards using the tools that already worked for me and then uh, dove, dove deeper into studying and, and, you know, making sure I was, you know, not only uh, studying to learn and be certified, but helping to also legitimize these ancient practices as they were modernizing um, in the West here today. So I have a question. When did you start meditating yourself and how did you come to it just as a personal experience? So, I mean, I, I would say anybody, my parents, anybody looking back at me would see me in that quiet space, um, you know, not necessarily, you know, sort of waking up quietly and not crying out for anybody happy to sit sort of in that space. I think I probably carried that with me. But again, once I started, uh, you know, looking for the career path, I think I thought to myself that um, I'm doing this. This is something that I do. And so looking into it, I started to, to look around, what is this idea of sitting quietly or needing alone time or recharging? And a lot of times not really accepted, right? This idea of doing nothing um, as if we're lazy or wasting time. And, and that really wasn't my experience. You could really use that time to recharge and reset um, and, and, you know, make a better choice from that point on, or maybe you had no reason. Maybe you just needed that time, which was probably how I began. Um, but at, at any rate, um, I, I feel as though I realized it was something and then started to bring that into my practice as a tool. Interesting. And did you personally struggle with mental health challenges um, in your life or bumps that that you noticed that, that this was a, the tool that worked for you? Yeah. So naturally I've had my own struggles throughout my life, of course. And, you know, I think I, I solved that very young. Like I said, I think I grew up with a lot of actually seeing a lot of mental health issues around me that weren't necessarily being qualified or labeled or dealt with. Um, so I think I just naturally knew how to deal with my own, which was in that quiet space. And then I could, I could figure out what to do next or what's quite, what step to take. So I didn't have very, I don't know if that's as a result, um, but I didn't have very personal mental health struggles as I did um, finding ways of managing my stress well. And that may have then helped my mental health. And that's something I'm carrying with me into my teachings today. Amazing. And did yoga and meditation come hand in hand for you or did one come before the other? So it's a funny question. You would also um, see me standing on my head at five years old and then sitting quietly. Um, so I think I was intuitive about using my body and taking walks and sitting quietly, but just for fun. Those were just things I see now as I teach children, we do for fun. Um, and I'm able to qualify that and say it's fun. And that's 
better for you than we can imagine sometimes using fun as a way to heal and to find that peace of mind. Um, so I think I did that naturally. But again, once I got older and graduated college, was looking where to further my education, um, I started to realize that um, I need to study and learn more about the possibilities. And as I dove into meditation and yoga, um, that's where I began to personally do a deeper yoga practice and then bring that practice um, to my clients and workshops and um, people that I had been working with. My next question is, there's so many different kinds of meditation out there. There's, there's apps, there's um, different techniques. What, how do people figure out what, what is the right one? What is your suggestion there? Is there a right way to go? Is there a wrong way to go? I love that question. Um, I personally think that uh, there is definitely no right or wrong. And the key is really, are you going to do it? You know, what, what are you going to do? What works for you? And until we can figure that out, um, most people won't continue a consistent practice. So I think the best thing too, is to identify with people. And, um, you know, this is something I, I hope that I am able to help people with when I work one-on-one -on -one and more closely with people is, you know, how, how do you function? How do you relax? How do you unwind? You know, how do you already use your downtime or, um, what makes you comfortable? You know, do you need do you need quiet or do you need some sound or music to quiet you down? Do you need a little movement to get you going? Or are you someone who just needs to sit still? You know, starting to tune into your needs. You know, do you like the room a little, a little darker? Or do you need a, the be near the natural light? So tuning into some of our own personal needs is going to help us realize the better practice for us. I think when we start to first try to fit in. Um, that's where we go wrong instead of figuring out how meditation uh, fits in with you. And you mentioned the word practice. So tell me a little bit and our listeners a little bit about that. What do you mean when you say practice? Is it something we can just do, you know, immediately and, or, you know, practice makes me sound like it's a little bit of a longer piece. So can you speak to that? Yes, absolutely. I love that, that you pointed out that word. And I think when we use the word practice, it's sort of just putting an energy to the fact that you are doing something. I think when we say meditation, people think they have to stop, they have to stop thinking, they have to stop moving. And there's this exact way of doing things. And then that prevents us to exploring it. So the idea of practice, um, just like you might get on a piano is you might just try something, just practice it see how it works. And, you know, it didn't sound right. It didn't feel right. You might say, no, thank you. I might try to practice something else. Well, I want to share this with you, Mara. Um, I am a very active person. I'm someone who doesn't like to sit still. And my, my mother, actually, who's a wonderful human being, has always done meditation. And she would say, Wendy, when are you going to try to meditate? It's a great tool. Um, let me get it for you for a gift for the holidays, a class or whatever. And I always said, no, I cannot sit still. It's not for me. I will use other strategies, but I did not think I could sit still. Um, and finally, I was in between jobs a year and a half ago, and I was going through a hard time. And mom reached out to me and she said, I'm, I'm getting you a gift. I'm getting you a meditation class. And I was, I, I was thinking, 
how am I going to sit still long enough to do it? And I, I took the class and I committed since I had the time and the space to do it. Um, and I did it. And at first I felt like I, I wasn't, you know, I, am I doing this right? Am I not doing this right? Am I getting anything out of it? And I can't, I remember a moment where maybe like five weeks after I started taking the class within a few days, several people said to me, Wendy, I couldn't believe it because it was multiple people. It wasn't one person. It was multiple people who said, Wendy, what's going on? You look so chill. You look so relaxed. You're, you're glowing a little bit. You look better, all those things. And I was, I was in shock. And that to me was, I was like, I think it's the meditation. Um, and it was unbelievable. It, it was kind of unbelievable. So I, I do practice it myself, not, not as much as I should, but I, I have it as a tool in my pocket. Um, and so I like sharing that story, but Mara, what, what are like the scientific benefits of meditation that you can share with, with the, all I know is people said I looked better. <laughs> yeah. So I love that you followed it with this question because how perfect is it? You know, when we talk about the science and when you go into the history books of yoga and meditation, um, they're considered a science in ancient times. And, um, the fact that all of this has evolved to today and we are still benefiting from it to me is the greatest science of all time, right? That you would come up and people would say to you, wow, you look amazing. That experience that has tested over time, I think is, is the greatest um, proof that we could ever, ever imagine to have is that it has stood the test of time and people are still tapping into these tools for healing. Um, but having said that, of course, we have scientifically tested it. And um, it's funny, all of a sudden I had this memory of a story of like, you know, they wanted to test on a whole bunch of Buddhist monks um, and to see what their brains were doing while they were there. And I, I'm trying to remember the story now. It makes me laugh as um, a very good meditation story should. <laughs> Certainly a Buddhist one would make you laugh. Um, but they had to like climb a huge mountain to, with all these equipment and everything to get up and do it. And um, But many results are found. And I think the incredible thing when you're when you're looking at actually putting putting something on the brain to watch how it's working, um, whether you're looking at like the one minute you sit there or if you're tracking eight weeks at a time, you'll see different effects on the brain. Um, but you'll see immediate effects on the brain because of the stress relief that it can bring. And I think that's one of the key things that science tends to show for us is that when we're relieving our stress, the brain shows signs of kind of expansion of being able to contract and to grow and to think better and to concentrate better and have more space for more things. Um, and then also, I think when we speak to our ment mental health and the stress relief, you're going to decrease the symptoms of depression and anxiety and pain. And these two have been scientifically proven and studied. So I think as many things as we've wondered meditation could do for us, we've studied the brain to see how that affected us. And, um, the, you know, the effects have been positive over all, all incredible amounts of time. So what would you say, what would your advice be if I was that person, you know, who said to my mom, I, I don't think it's for me. I cannot sit still. I don't know. I don't think it's for me. What might, how might you, how might you it's such an important question. Thank you. So one of the things that you want to remember is that meditation is not necessarily sitting still. 
Like that is one approach to meditation. It can Mm -hmm. also sort of be the end result of meditation. So, you know, you could end up saying, I don't, I'm someone who doesn't sit still easily. I'm someone who isn't even comfortable enough to sit still. And a part of the yoga poses that can be beautiful is they help build our postural muscles. So when you are sitting still, the body is a little less of a distraction. Um, You're a little bit stronger in your body and that way you can focus on your breathing and relax, sort of enjoy sitting quietly. Um, But for many people, they won't enjoy sitting quietly and the thoughts will continue to come back and that is real. Um, So there are many tools. The yoga poses are wonderful taking long walks, but I tell people, you tell me, what do you do to de-stress? How do you pull away? What is the one thing you do? And I always recommend go to that. And then maybe after you've had that little downtime, before you move on to the next thing in the day, you just pause for a minute, just pause. And I'll call that sometimes (laughs) some of the best meditation we could ever really get. That's interesting. I never thought of it that way. I thought, you know, in my mind, it's you got to sit there with your eyes shut in a Zen moment. But you're saying we can do it in different ways. Many, many different ways. And they lead to those moments as people were showing you that you naturally were, you know, sort of energizing in a way they hadn't seen in you before. Just hearing about that can increase your confidence that you're doing something right and may lead to you doing, you know, other ways that you thought you should do it, um, but they may not. You may always find that you just come back to some of those simple tools that just helped you pause and um, really um, tap you into what the benefits of meditation are. What is your opinion on time commitment, you know, to be a good meditator? What do you think? I'm a baby steps person. I'm like a one minute at a time. I'm a one breath at a time person. A lot of times when you begin and allow yourself a breath or two or a minute or so, you just stay there. Just stay longer, right? But if you set the timer too high, now you haven't reached a goal or maybe you feel (laughs) distracted or disappointed or this in this way. So I always say set, set something small and then continue to do it. You don't have to stop just because uh, time ends. And and that's the other thing that meditation and yoga and and mindfulness in general helps us realize when we're looking to um, balance our mental health, to relieve our stress, to feel more holistic and more interconnected, we start to sort of overthink everything, right? And that's sort of the irony. We don't need to overthink this. These were ancient practices. You could step out into nature for a moment and you're on your way. Or like I said, whatever it is for you, um, that might be that ah for a moment and, and expand on that and maybe just give yourself a little bit of a pause there to notice the difference, the experience in yourself at that point. I wish I talked to you in my 20s because I wouldn't have put it off. <laughs> you, I love you're, that it's accessible the way you talk about it and not daunting. Exactly. Um, I really appreciate that. Um, one of the things I learned about you, Mara, is that you are also an author. Um, so tell us about the book that you wrote and what's, what's it called and tell us a little bit about that project. Sure. Um, so the book is called How to Meditate and Why. Um, which came out in 2015. Um, I revised it this year. 
and you can pick it up. It is available on my website or on Amazon and you could get a Kindle version. What I, what I love about this book is that it answers a lot of the questions you're asking me here today. And what most people, when I sit down in an honest conversation about meditation, um, it, it often brings, which is how to grasp it. And no matter how we talk about it, how much we learn about it, how much we've seen the scientific results, or even maybe personally experience them a bit, um, how is it that we really sort of are able to implement this um, in, a, in a practical way? into our lives, right? Most of us are not going to be spending our whole days or, or long periods of time in meditation. That's not real, a realistic lifestyle. So we bring into it what is realistic and in what way. And so this book points out different ways as we're discussing here today. Um, it discusses the history of meditation. It discusses the many different beautiful spiritual and religious walks of life that it evolved from. Um, it also speaks to us honoring ourselves. What was our walk of life? How did we end up here? And addressing um, our own personal needs. And then um, hopefully I've offered a number of tools that each and every one of us could maybe pull something from to empower us um, in this process. I had an interesting thought that you said you wrote the book several years ago and that you did a revision, a, a recent revision. And here is something that is thousands of years old and that people have been practicing for thousands of years. That's not, that's not tiny yeah. yet. You're still learning, right? We're all still learning and we can yeah. still tweak the practice or tweak the idea. Um, and, and you're still learning, right? Cause absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of the encouraging thing about the process because we are always growing and learning. And um, I think sometimes we're we're too worried. Things are set in stone. So yes, I think it is. It, our meditation evolves along with us for sure. And you mentioned that you were starting to work on a new book project. Tell us about that because it sounds pretty cool and exciting. Yes. Thank you. So um, these are meditations, they're guided meditations that were inspired from um, a lot of teachings that I do with children in early childhood, and even all the way up through high school. And um, I kind of call them children's books for everyone, because um, I believe, obviously, whoever's reading to the children wants to be engaged and have a nice experience, and also maybe hopefully picks this book up all by themselves, um, just because we forget sometimes to be a little lighter and a little more playful in our own well-being and our own healing. And that even in meditation as adults, um, that we could maybe take ourselves more lightly. And so these books are... Um, they're short guided meditations. They, they have color and they sort of take us through um, a process of allowing each and every one of us to either pick up on different healing aspects that bring peace and well-being to ourself. Um, but there are different aspects that say may speak to one person to another. So there's a color that you may flip quickly through and be drawn to another. There may be a word or a color um, that you don't need that day. So it's, it's a meditation journey of pictures and words and, um, I, the hope is that it ends everybody with a smile. And when does, when's it supposed to come out? Well, hopefully they're coming out. I'm planning by June. Uh, there is one that's sort of for everybody, kind of a mainstream secular book. And then there's also one that is um, Jewish inspired. I can't wait when it comes out, everybody, 
we will repost this podcast with links on how to get it. Um, but I, I'm excited for that. There, so be, there, there is no one better to write that book than Mara Zimmerman. Thank um, you so much, Wendy. Tell just, just in general, cause I, I, to you, you are, to me, you are an old soul and a wise human being. I think you've been around this, this earth a long time. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for our listeners about, you know, if they, if, who are struggling with their mental health or their friends or family are, do you have any words of wisdom to share from your perspective, your lens from your work? Yeah, I mean, I think there is something to the power of positive thinking. And I think that that's something that, you know, gets us up, we all get caught up with. So, you know, re- look for the helpers, reach out to people and look for the ones who you know are going to help you get back to that better place for yourself that you know deep down that you deserve and you're worthy of. So, yeah, I would say look for the helpers. I like that. I like that. Thanks for being a helper for me. I have to say to everybody that we have our yoga class every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time. And I'm letting people in on Zoom um, who are who are coming. And sometimes people are a little bit later and earlier or whatever it may be. So I can't actually participate in the yoga class. But just listening to your voice and hearing you and the words and the connection to well-being, um, I, I look forward to it every week. And I feel more relaxed just from that. So thank you so much. Where, where can people find you if they want to? you know, learn a little bit more about the work that you do. Um, maybe they're interested in some holistic counseling, whatever it may be. What is your, what is your, what are your handles? How do people get you? Okay. Thank you. I also, I just want to say thank you also, Wendy. That's such a beautiful, um, yeah, it's just so beautiful to hear that just being present during the yoga classes is a positive experience for you. And I feel like that relates to what we're talking about here with this meditative state of mind and our mental health and well-being that just being present a little bit in an environment that feels good, whether you're fully participating or no matter how much you can do, can have a positive effect. So that's a I perfect love that. example. Yeah, perfect example. Exactly. I can't do it all. No, I can't do it all, but I can't be there and listen and I feel better. That's right. So that's perfect. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so uh, you can go to my website at maramzimmerman.com and you could reach out. Um, you could contact me if you wanted to reach out and connect in any way. And there's more information about the work that I do and my books. Um, I also write for Yoga Chicago Magazine. So you can follow some of my articles on yoga and meditation and mindfulness there if you are interested. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Sounds good. And we also are talking about um, No Shame on You runs a monthly virtual Feed Your Mind series. So everybody out there in the podcast universe, I'm going to schedule Mara for something next year. So stay tuned for a workshop on um, everything that she does and what we're talking about today in, in that format. So thank you everyone for joining us. Mara, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Wendy. We'll see you soon. I look forward to it.